freak in the morning, freak in the evening. We don't want no low sex drive. That's no good. We're going to be listening to songs and doing nothing about it, Jamie. That's right. Honestly, that's nice to draw that correlation because if something's off, like you're changing your dietary patterns and noticing a reduction in your sex drive, these are things that we do not want to happen. Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit ChantelRayWay.com slash podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching, and Inner Circle Facebook group. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, Aaron here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests, but you also get to see any charts, graphs, or pictures that we may mention. Search Chantel Ray Way on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayWay.com coaching. As always, enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode, and today I'm so excited to have Brad Kearns. He's the co-author of The Keto Reset Diet, which was a New York Times bestseller, and I know you work a lot with Mark Sisson to promote the Primal Blueprint Lifestyle books and some of his seminars, his retreats, and some of his online courses. How did you guys get hooked up? My gosh, Chantel, we're old friends for 30 years now. And we both come from the triathlon scene, the extreme endurance competition scene. So he was my coach back when I was racing on the professional circuit for nine years. Mark's older than me, and he was a former champion uh, triathlete himself, fourth in the Hawaii Ironman. And then he I mean, was, he looks like yeah. a million bucks all the time. I know. The, it's, it's good because some of those, those old-time triathletes get all beat up. They, they do it for too long. And, you know, the realization that we had years later was that this crazy stuff we were doing when we were, you know, pictures of fitness is actually not very healthy. It's too extreme and it's too stressful to really promote health and longevity. So now, you know, as an old guy, long since departed from the professional racing circuit, now I'm trying to live a life that's, you know, everything I do in, in fitness is promoting of health and longevity rather than compromising it. So the, the training's all different now. We do brief, intense workouts. When we're going for long distance ones, we take it easy so we don't stress the body and tire the body out like a lot of endurance athletes are known to do. Now, I know you have two different podcasts, which is awesome. One is called Get Over Yourself Podcast, and one is the Primal Endurance Podcast. So what's the difference between those two for those of people who haven't heard of, of those podcasts? There we go. Get Over Yourself is the, the new podcast that I just started, and it's a way to broaden out the, the subject matter from the, the narrow shows that I do for many years, the endurance training show, and I also do a keto show for the Primal Blueprint podcast channel every week. So, yeah, I'm big into the podcast scene. I love it. I think it's a great way to communicate. So when I started this Get Over Yourself podcast, it's really the theme is honoring kind of the, the most important thing that I learned as an athlete. And that was when, 
you get overly intense and overly competitive and that type A comes out and you're just driven and focused and uh, just too caught up, a lot of times you can be your own worst enemy and it might be- Well, that goes with food too. I mean, I, I know for me, whenever I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna have this. I'm not, you know, I'm just getting like, you know, oh, I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do that. And I just get really, you know, bogged down with all that. I end up going off the cliff, you know, I end up going off the cliff. I just don't do well when I do that. That's right. When you have your self-esteem attached to the outcome of what you're doing, whether it's a, a weight loss goal or rising up the career ladder, or in my case, being the, the best triathlete I could be in racing on the top level of the circuit, mm-hmm. um, it's a very fragile state of motivation. So it's much better to have to cultivate a pure motivation for peak performance goals, to have a passion for what you're doing, to enjoy the meals that you're eating if you're on a a dietary transformation, rather than this uh, intense, high stress approach. So I, you know, I I decided to get over myself. That was like the best thing I could do as an athlete to just relax a little bit, let the results happen naturally, cultivate that pure motivation. And so that's the theme that I try to draw through my interviews and the subject matter, just living a better life, health, peak performance, personal growth, happiness, relationships, all these topics that come into play and and trying to do it. One of the things I read in, in one of Mark's books that I love is that he said something to the effect of when every single bite that I eat, I don't just like it. I don't just love it. I'm like, I adore every bite that I, I eat. Like I'm not, if it's just, even if I just like it, you know what I mean? He's like, I want to make sure that every bite I eat, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever tasted it. Otherwise, why am I going to eat it? And I talk about that in my book a lot as well, is that every person that I've met that really with their eating they will eat something when it's like five stars and maybe if it's four and a half stars, but as it starts going down below four stars, they don't want anything to do with it. It's like, why waste those calories if it's not just the best thing that you've ever eaten? And I've heard that over and over again from people who are eating to, they're not, you know, emotionally eating. You know, that's a great uh, insight and it's a good transition into Uh, what's happening with this uh, fabulous growth of the ketogenic diet. But with the popularity and the explosion of interest, uh, what's also happening is uh, misinterpretation and distortion of what it's really the foundation is all about. And when you're able to become fat and keto adapted, it means that you're really good at burning internal sources of energy. So you don't have to rely on regular meals like most of us have our entire lives having this high carbohydrate diet, we skip a single meal, we get tired and cranky, we can't work, we can't concentrate, we have to go find food, or we're going to scream and that kind of thing. And so when you get into this, uh, this desired state of what we call metabolic flexibility, you can give or take a meal and you still feel great, you have great cognitive function, you have energy, you can go do a workout. So the centerpiece of the keto approach should be fasting, skipping meals, Uh, eating when you want for the pure enjoyment of the food like you just described. But instead, what we're getting is a lot of people that are 
stuffing their faces with bacon and butter. And then the people on the outside are criticizing that as such a terrible and dangerous diet. So I always like to get back to, you know, what's Well, that's what you talk about in your book, in the Keto Reset Diet. You're talking about, hey, there's the right way to do it and there's the wrong way to do it. Pretty much, yeah. And the wrong way is to be ill-prepared and then go slashing the carbs from your diet because you're going to go keto and you're going to lose weight really fast and someone told you to do it this way. And when you're ill-prepared, all that's going to happen is you're going to take a stress hormone bath for three weeks or a month or however long you last because your body can make sugar on demand as needed when you're in a high stress state. That's why when we're having a a frantic, hectic day or a, a long stretch of a personal crisis in your life. You're running around wired on energy. You don't even need to eat. You're just frantic all the time. It's just because you've kicked into fight or flight response and you're making glucose, stripping down muscle tissue in many cases to make the glucose to fuel your brain function without the meals. So if you're ill prepared for keto, it's going to be a stressful experience. Eventually you're going to come off the cliff and burn out and revert back into high carbohydrate eating patterns. So the best way to do it is like, the first step we always say is just clean up your diet and get rid of the, the processed grains and sugars. And we're not talking about an extreme restriction of carbs out of the gate. You, you need to transition gradually at whatever pace, especially a lot of females complain and write to us and say, oh, it's not, it doesn't work for females as well as males. And so I need to you know, forget it and, and do this instead. And it's just because there's flaws in the approach. I mean, we're all capable of being keto kings and queens because it's in our genetics. We're able to make these ketones in our liver when carbohydrate restriction from the diet is low. And it's a simple process. It's a wonderful, elegant process that basically every morning when each of us wakes up, we're making a little bit of ketones, every single one of us. And then as soon as we slam our first glass of orange juice, we're back down on the carbohydrate path. So, I mean, we get a lot of questions about ketosis and a lot of times people say, well, how do I tell when I'm in ketosis and how long does it usually take people to get into ketosis? And can one little slip up like a cookie or something throw you right out of ketosis? So can you just kind of talk about the state of ketosis? Well, there's a lot of questions that came out there. I appreciate this is a good topic to to discuss because... I think we get uh, obsessed with the numbers and we're testing our blood or the the urine strips, which are absolutely worthless in every every case uh, because the urine strips are testing what you're excreting. And so we have the goal of like darkening the strip to show that we're in ketosis. And all that means is that you're excreting a lot of ketones. In other words, you're not burning them. So arguably a darkened strip means that you're not keto adapted. You're not burning them well. You're just excreting them. Or we talk about the bad breath. Oh, the keto breath, that's one part of the diet that's, that's not great. Well, I don't want to see people having bad breath for many reasons. One of them is it's bad breath. And number two, if you're excreting the ketones out of your breath or your urine, it means you're not burning them. So the whole goal of this is to burn the ketones for energy. And that's where we get the anti-inflammatory benefits and the better oxygen delivery to the brain and the the boost in cognitive function and all the great things that happen. So the goal is to be burning these, not excreting them. That's why the blood tests are better and you can test what kind of levels you have circulating in your blood available for energy. But even that blood test doesn't tell the whole story. And a lot of keto enthusiasts are noticing that 
their blood numbers go down, the deeper they get into a keto adapted diet. And I experienced that myself when I went on a, a really extreme um, testing protocol when I was writing the book and researching with Mark and testing my fingers so much I got scar tissue in there. But I learned a lot of interesting things. And one of them is, if you're really efficient at burning energy internally, being fat and keto adapted, you will make the exact right amount of ketones that your body needs at any time to burn and use. So you may not be accumulating these crazy high numbers in your blood, but you might be a, a ketone burning machine. It just doesn't register that high because you're burning them just as they're being made. Yeah. Now, a big piece of your book on the keto reset is intermittent fasting, um, which is how we got started on our show. Will you just explain like how keto and intermittent fasting go hand in hand and what are the hours that you personally eat and fast each day? Uh, so the first question, they go hand in hand because the, the, the ketones are made when um, your, your carb intake is is so low that the liver is prompted to make ketones to continue to fuel brain function. You know, the brain's the highest energy demand organ in the body. It burns 25% of our total calories, 20 to 25% of our total calories, even though it's only 2% of body weight. So it's ravenous for energy. It can't burn fat. So it has to burn glucose as its primary energy source or ketones as a substitute. If you don't have enough glucose from the diet, if you're blood glucose is low, your liver glycogen is low, all that stuff. So the, the, goal of the, um, the, the goal of the fasting is to prompt ketone production in the same manner that the goal of restricting uh, carb intake over the long term to, you know, to commit to this kind of diet. Uh, so, so what are the hours that you personally like eat and fast each day? Oh, wow, man, you're opening up a can of worms now because what I've settled upon after a long time in this, uh, on this route, I've been in the Primal Blueprint Aligned Diet for 10 years now, so extremely low carb by comparison and then messing around with keto in the last couple of years. And for me, what I found works better is kind of a spontaneous, uh, intuitive approach. So I don't have a typical day where I can report to the eager listeners, Brad Kearns fast until 12.30 or 1 p.m. And then my first meal is two eggs with a little bit of primal kitchen mayonnaise on it and some walnuts and some sun-dried tomatoes. I do eat exactly what I just described sometimes, but every day is different. And one of the things that I've also noticed is I'm in a certain category, okay? My blood numbers are good. My body fat is down exactly where I'm, I'm happy with it. And I'm an athletic guy pursuing mm -hmm. these goals. So I have a little bit of a different decision-making process than someone who is frustrated, can't reduce excess body fat, right. has struggled with yo-yo dieting for years. And in every case, when you're trying to lose excess body fat and you can't do it, the first step, ooh, I, I used to say something different until I got... Uh, convinced by Dr. Tommy Wood, Dr. Kate Shanahan, some of the world's leading experts, the first step is to just get healthy, period. And yes. don't even think about reducing excess body fat or creating a caloric deficit in your diet until you're metabolically healthy. And mm -hmm. a large percentage of people in this world where we're talking about a lot have gut dysfunction, leaky gut syndrome. And so that's 
a, a problem that's a big deal. We're becoming more aware of it. We need to alter the diet. We need to do all these things before we even talk about going keto, restricting carbs, losing weight. But assuming you're healthy, the simplest and most surest way to drop excess body fat once and for all and get rid of the problem forever is to take that journey all the way to being fat and keto adapted. And that's what the keto reset diet is all about is taking that step-by-step -step approach till finally you commit to a six-week period of you know, pretty strict uh, regulation of your carb intake to prompt the ketone production to get good at fasting to where you can wake up. And, and the easiest way would be to wake up and delay that first meal of the day until you're truly hungry. And if, hey, if you're truly hungry and your stomach's growling at 8.30 a.m., you go ahead and eat something. And then you- Yeah, I love that approach. Yeah. Yeah, I love that approach. Yeah. Um, so I know that you have a little bit of a primal lifestyle. Like I've read some interesting practices like a daily cold plunge. So what are some other things that are part of your daily routine and your lifestyle? Can you tell I'm, my, my body is shaking right now because I'm trying to tone it down, but I just came out of the cold plunge and it's really cold here this morning in Sacramento. So I'm shaking a little bit. It's not because I'm nervous to be on your wonderful show, but that's my first thing that I love that topic. I'm glad you uh, pulled it out of the, the news there. You can look on YouTube, Brad Kern's uh, cold plunge chest freezer cold plunge and I go jump into this chest freezer filled with water you know an ice freezer so the water's 34 degrees and I have that wonderful wake-up call in the morning a natural wake-up call it's also been found to have a, a variety now, where of is this where is this cold freezer is it in your house it's in the where backyard I want to see a picture you have we're going to post a picture of this guys if you go to our Facebook page I want to make sure we post a picture and we'll see if we can put a link to the show notes we'll definitely yeah. do that gotcha. uh, so basically it's just like cryomax or like you know cr you know those cryo machines kind of right to kind of reduce inflammation is that really the point of it yeah, the whole deal, especially this hormonal response that you get as soon as you jump in, you get a boost of uh, norepinephrine 200% higher than your baseline norepinephrine. And that's the kind of the, um, the energy hormone, the mood, the cognitive function. It's like just wake up call. And so that's a really fun part of it. You're also getting that anti- And it's a lot cheaper than going to the cryo places every day. Uh, this is like pound for pound as far as like high tech uh, health therapies. I also have a sauna, a barrel sauna back there from almosthaven.com. You check them out and they have like personal home use saunas. So I can get into 190 degree temperature sauna right there, right next to the 34 degree cold punch. But for the chest freezer, you can order one on homedepot.com, free home delivery for a few hundred bucks. And you have 24 seven exposure to a cold plunge and this wonderful hormonal reset and anti-inflammatory experience. So I'm a big proponent of it. It's simple. It's getting back to our primal roots where we challenge our body with, we, we call it a hormetic stressor. So it's a brief natural stressor that produces a net benefit, right? I mean, I'm not in there for an hour because if I'm in there an hour, I die. So I'm in there for a few minutes. I'm up to like five or six minutes myself at that temperature and I get out and I feel fantastic and it's a great way to start the day. And also the psychological benefit of me telling you on the air with everyone listening that when I wake up, I do this for myself every single morning, no matter what. First, I do my stretching and mobility exercise routine, and then I jump in that tub. 
So to create that discipline and that focus and that resilience to where I'm not worried about, oh, it's so chilly today outside. I don't want to do it. I'm going to skip it. You know, because we tell ourselves stories all day long with our food choices and whether or not we adhere to a diet or not. And then we talk six months later and say, oh, yeah, I tried that keto thing, but I just couldn't handle it because I was too stressed that year. You know, those kind of things come out of our mouths all the time. So the psychological components of doing something for yourself every morning and being mm. disciplined enough to, you know, the water's cold. I jump in there. I'm not complaining about it. I do it, and I'm becoming a, a stronger, more disciplined, focused person for doing it. Awesome. Well, let's jump right into the questions. This is from Julie. Oh, questions. Yes, this is from Julie in Rock Hill, which I have no idea where Rock Hill is, but she says, I ate keto for almost a year and several months months ago and I fell off the wagon and I've had the hardest time getting back into it. I miss how I felt when I was in ketosis and really want to get back to it. Do you have any tips to get me back in the zone? Well, I'd love to know about falling off the wagon. (laughs) I love that. I love that line because my husband says that to me all the time. Like, like if he sees me eating any, you know, I eat very clean. So if he sees me eating something that in his mind is not clean, that's his first thing he said. He's like, oh, babe, are you falling off the wagon? That's what he says every time. So I like that question. Right. And so, you know, falling off the wagon could mean uh, a few things. And if falling off the wagon means, oh, my carb intake is now slipping up. And like Brad Kearns, I enjoy a popcorn binge in the evening now and then or something that's not the biggest concern. It's part of enjoying life all that great stuff. Oh my goodness. It's, you know, it's nothing to even, it's nothing to even worry about. But if falling off the wagon means uh, going into junk food binges and lack of discipline or uh, acting in a way, in a manner different than your stated goals. So you're saying that you're trying to do this and you're doing something different every day and then you feel bad about yourself. That's a whole different story. So I guess, you know, to, to get back going with some momentum, uh, first of all, we, we need to all agree that this junk food that's the prominent centerpiece of the standard American diet should never be consumed by anyone. I don't care if you're an athlete that just rode your bicycle six hours like I used to all the time and then go binge at the frozen yogurt store with all the crap on top thinking that it was justified. But athletes need nutrition more than the person sitting at a desk all day. But all of us deserve to live a healthy, balanced, long life. And so we need to check out of the you know, the mainstream cultural forces that are, that are convincing us to consume this food that has no nutritional value. So I would say, get the sugars. Yeah. So I know that you are really good friends with Mark and I know Mark is a huge paleo fan. So he loves to eat paleo and I actually have one of his cookbooks and he's got some amazing recipes in there that are, that are fantastic. But what is your, um, what's your take on uh, paleo diet? Well, we're all so closely aligned that it's not even worth uh, splitting hairs and criticizing one little branch of the tree to the other branch. You know, my main uh, mission here is to counter the conventional wisdom that's led us astray and has caused, you know, demise and destruction and early death of so so many hundreds of thousands of Americans Mm -hmm. every year and people in the Western world. 
And I still have people, close family members, friends, associates, people that I talk to every day that think eating fat is bad and that eggs have too many cholesterol. I just heard LeBron James on a podcast talking about his egg white omelet that he has every morning. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're 25 to 30 years behind the research and the time saying that, you know, the egg yolk is one of the most nutritious foods on the planet. It's undisputed. The Framingham study says there's no correlation between egg intake and blood cholesterol levels. So we're fighting this battle against the massive forces of conventional wisdom, primal, paleo, keto, anything low carb, anybody who, who ditches the refined grains and sugars, even if they're vegan, we could still be friends. I love you, man, because vegans are really concerned about dietary and health and nutritional quality. Now, there's also vegans... Uh, eating uh, uh, Skittles all day long. So then we have to have a conversation about, hey, sugar is not good for you. It will kill you. It will disturb your brain function. It leads to those conditions of cognitive decline that are so commonplace in the modern world and so heartbreaking that that's how the end of your life goes rather than a wonderful time. So ditching the grains and sugars would be the top discussion point for, uh, for any starting place and the rest of it's all, all fun and games after that. Hey guys, we absolutely love getting your questions into the podcast, but we're also interested in your journey. So if you've started intermittent fasting and have some success or even struggling a little bit, we want to hear about it. Email me your intermittent fasting stories to Chantel at ChantelRayWay.com. Now back to the show. All right, this is from Lisa in Greenville. Since I struggle with autoimmune issues, I've always assumed that gluten was the worst thing that I could eat. But lately I've realized what really flares me up is dairy. I've noticed that when I have dairy, it makes me so tired and I just feel awful. I don't want to completely deprive myself and binge out, but I've heard that sheep and goat dairy are the best forms of dairy for my if I'm going to eat dairy that I should focus on. What are your thoughts on dairy? If I were just to have a little, what are some of the best sources? Well, I think she's already uh, well on the way to optimizing her diet because she's doing some testing. So if you want to switch over to sheep and goat and see what happens and see if these conditions are put at bay, you know, that's a good indication that you should stay away from cow dairy. Uh, Generally speaking, my answer would be that if you're choosing uh, the high-fat dairy products, you're going to have less concern uh, than the, the low-fat dairy products that are giving you the lactose and even the, uh, the casein proteins. The things that people react to in dairy are often in that grouping of the high-sugar dairy products like the non-fat yogurt that give them a reaction of some kind. But if you're consuming butter or cream cheese or things like that, if you insist on having those in the diet, generally in the primal blueprint message is like, don't make these a dietary centerpiece. You don't need to. But if you want to have some cheese on your, uh, on your meal or, or these things can sprinkle in there, that's fine. But again, the elimination strategy of cutting something out and seeing if you feel better and then problem solving and just continuing to build on your experience, that's the best thing that any of us can do if we have a suspicion that some food is not working for us. Awesome. This is Jamie in Virginia Beach. I've heard some nightmare stories about the keto diet, including the keto flu, bad breath, constipation, and low sex drive. 
I want to get started, but all of these horror stories kind of freak me out. What are some things that I can do to make the transition smoother? And are these just stories? Freak in the morning, freak in the evening. We don't want no no sex drive. That's no good. We're going to be listening to songs and doing nothing about it, Jamie. That's right. Um, Those are all horror stories. But, you know, honestly, that's nice to draw that correlation. Because if something's off, like you're changing your dietary patterns and noticing a reduction in your sex drive or feeling moody, cranky, having the keto flu, these are things that we do not want to happen. And I, I read about the keto flu or hear about people saying, don't worry, fight through it. You can do it. It's part of the, it's part of the picture. It's not part of the picture. Who said it's part of the picture? Not the caveman that started the ketogenic diet two and a half million years ago. So it just means you're doing something wrong or you're ill-prepared. So we want to bypass right over the keto flu and have uh, this experience of getting better and better at fasting not feeling hungry in the morning. First it was 10 a.m. Now you can make it till 12 noon until you're truly hungry and really want to sit down and eat a meal. And that's just that, you know, continued progress with your metabolic flexibility and getting better and better at burning fat rather than the carbohydrates that you've been addicted to your whole life. But for many people, it might not be a smooth transition. You might have to be patient and pay particular attention to getting that junk food out of the diet. Yeah, and I was just going to say, like, I think the constipation comes from people eating tons of cheese and bacon and things like that because they're not getting the fiber and they're not eating the vegetables that they need to, you know, have that fiber in there. And because you still need to have, you know, the constipation the first thing that you're going to look at is, is, are the, is the person getting some fiber in their diet? Oh, that's a good point. And even beyond that, the nutrient quality of the foods you're eating, um, you know, the ketos uh, oftentimes reduce down to this macronutrient percentage. It's only 5 to 10% carbs. It's 15 to 20% protein. It's 60 to 70% fat. Wow, that's a lot of fat. I have to, one story that I got from my friend was she went out to lunch with her, with her, uh, her girlfriend and the girlfriend brought a stick of butter to the meal and was putting a slice of butter on every bite of food that she ate, whatever it was. Because why? Because she's doing keto. So that's a perfect example of uh, being misinterpreted and, and ridiculous that you're thinking like you need to stuff your face with fat because that's what keto is all about. So vegetables, centerpiece of the diet, in, even in the, the, the keto scene, because again, they're carbohydrates, but they're so fibrous and high water content that you can have a large plate of vegetables and still be keto aligned and you know, has, still have fat be the predominant source of calories in the diet. So tell us some things that you are doing that you eat like every day that, that's getting a lot of fiber into your diet. Well, I have this super nutrition green smoothie that's come into the picture uh, in recent years, and it's a way to get a lot of that vegetable nutrition. And also I put a different, a whole bunch of different powders and things in there for athletic performance and recovery, uh, whey protein, creatine, glutamine, all kinds of things like that, MCT oil to help burning the ketones, uh, the green powder from Organifi, things like that that's getting this super nutrient-dense smoothie. And a lot of times I'll have that 
uh, first thing in the morning or mid morning, or maybe it's my first consumption is, you know, more towards noon. So again, the timing always varies, but I do try to make that a centerpiece of my diet because it has so much nutritional value. And then other days, uh, I'm really focused on fasting and not consuming a lot of calories because we have so many benefits when we're in this fasted state, autophagy, the natural cellular detoxification process is upregulated when you're not busy digesting food all day. Dr. Kate Shanahan's coming out with a new book, Sneak Preview. Snacking is a big, comp- it's a big challenge to uh, building your fat burning capabilities. So she's really down on snacking and offers that up as one of the first tips for people. It's like, have your meal. If you have to have your meal first thing in the morning, whatever, or, or you're waiting till noon and you have a big meal, and then let your digestive system have a break. Let the, you know, the, the fat burning kick into high gear until your next meal. So all irrespective of anything else or however level your carb intake is, you can try to strive to get away from that constant snacking, snacking. just because yeah. you're allowed to yeah. you're keto and you're munching nuts every 47 minutes. We can try to transition past that and have nice nutritious meals and then get used to burning energy ourselves. Yeah. One of the things that I used to do was, so I would eat dinner, but I like, let's say I just wanted something else. And then I would go in and my, my family would sing that song. You know, that song is all I do is win, win. But I would say, all I do is snack, 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 no matter what. But that snacking really can get you. All right. This is from Kyle in Arizona says, what are some of your favorite keto sweet treats? I'm not a huge sweet person, but sometimes I just want a bite of something. One thing I enjoy is a spoonful of whipped cream, which is only about one carb or a tablespoon, but I know there's tons of chemicals in the ones that I like. What are some better alternatives? Make your own whipped cream, man. That's way better. That stuff in the can is disgraceful. I mean, and whipped cream's a great treat. You can put on uh, all kinds of good meals. Uh, my friend made me some coconut milk whipped cream a couple of years ago. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if you get the, you know, the, what's the machine called with the little sticks on it, the, the blender sticks, and you mm-hmm. can uh, whip up your own cream with uh, some splashes of vanilla in there. I make this dessert called mascarpone mousse that people go crazy for. They go crazy. Oh, could you uh, send us that recipe? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's mascarpone it? cheese. Mascarpone cheese and heavy cream together. A little bit of vanilla. It's zero sugar. You can put fruit on top of it and have this wonderful dessert that's mm. predominantly fat. It's super satisfying. It's super rich. And that's the, one of the best parts about you know, being in the, in, in the transformation to a ketogenic style eating pattern is you can have these wonderful, delicious foods that are high satiety, no complaints that you're missing out on some sugary treat. And as you habituate to you know, the more high fat uh, dessert options and snack options, um, you're going to lose your taste for the sweet stuff that you used to live on your whole life because your body and your taste buds will truly habituate away from uh, intense sugar flavor and be more into the, the savory and all the options that you have in that angle. That's great. All right, this is Joanne in Idaho. I've lost over 60 pounds, mainly doing intermittent fasting and the keto diet. I have 15 pounds left to go, 20 would be nice, and those last few pounds are just so stubborn. 
I've been doing the same thing I've been doing. I'm just in a stall. What do you recommend? Um, I recommend a massive celebration for losing 60 pounds. Yeah, I mean, that is incredible. And if you can keep it off for one year, uh, I was just listening to a podcast with uh, referencing research that if you can have a weight loss event, you know, significant weight loss event, like 60 pounds or 20 or whatever the person listening, if you can keep it off for a year, that's when you can really do some effective rewiring that will predict that you will keep it off for a long time. But a year is kind of that magic number to truly, uh, uh, you know, transform your body and not have that high risk of slipping back. Because we know people can lose weight in 11 weeks. You see it on the telephone pole in Virginia Beach or anywhere mm -hmm. else. And anyone can do it in a short-term manner. But the predictability of gaining that weight back and then some is like 97% plus. We all know that. So if you can keep that weight off for a year, Joanne, I wouldn't even, was it Joanne or did I lose my memory already? From Idaho. I remember Joanne. Idaho. Joanne. Yeah, Joanne from Joanne. Idaho. So <laughs> I would say your body deserves a break. It's a, it's a stressful event to lose that much body fat in a short time. And so just celebrate that 60 pound level, accept that there's a plateau there. I know you want to hit that last 20, but let's wait and just be patient, and then we can do some tweaking. But I do think you need a break from aggressive weight loss because the body it, you know, likes to have that set point, and you, you've disturbed a lot of things that have been happening uh, for a long time. Fantastic. Just chill a little bit, and then we'll go back into town and uh, get that last 20 off, no problem. And really to answer the question, if, if you don't like the answer of just being patient, um, Shocking your body with some brief high-intensity exercise sessions for a lot of people can take you to that next level. But first, you have to be good at burning fat before you uh, increase exercise intensity because people that are trying to shortcut this process of losing excess body fat, um, we know that uh, aggressive exercise efforts often lead to a corresponding increase in appetite where you're going to go to the gym more times a week. I'm going to go from three weeks, three times a week to five times a week. Guess what? You're just going to be eating more food. And that's a known scientific phenomenon. It's called the compensation theory. You can search the internet for Time Magazine. There was a, a cover story a couple of years ago that said the myth of exercise. And it was the fact that our exercise calories burned don't really correlate that much to weight loss as we think it does. It's more about uh, the diet and optimizing your hormones so that you, your hunger is in check and your satiety hormones and your hunger hormones are in check so that you eat just what you need to, to burn rather than overeat, which is what we commonly do, especially when we're spiking blood sugar all the time and in that carbohydrate dependency diet. Mm. Good. All right. This last question, Sarah in Madison, is there a difference in the keto diet versus Atkins? My friends try to tell me that they are the same thing with a different name. I know that one of them with the Atkins, they have a lot of artificial ingredients like their bars and frozen meals. What are some other differences between the keto and Atkins diet? Well, Atkins is a person's name, so it is a, quote, diet that someone made up a long time ago and was roundly criticized and kind of fell off the face of the earth, even though the original premise that Dr. Atkins had is when you cut carb intake, you lose body fat. So it's absolutely spot on. 
chemically, biologically speaking, um, we, we cut carbon take, we lower insulin production. When insulin is low, fat can be mobilized from storage and burned for energy, period. The criticism of the Atkins diet was that it didn't really focus on uh, nutritional value as much as just going into this chemistry experiment where you changed your macros and lost weight. So the ketogenic diet is no one, that's not a person's last name. That's a metabolic process in the body uh, where your liver makes ketones for energy when you don't have uh, uh, enough dietary carbohydrate intake. So it's just the con conceptual uh, idea that you're not consuming a lot of carbohydrates in the diet and kicking into this state of ketosis, uh, ketone burning. So now when we're talking about a ketogenic diet, what does that mean? Well, it can mean a lot of different things. It can mean a really crappy bacon and butter fat fest where your uh, people can gain weight on the ketogenic diet because they're walking around with sticks of butter and going to lunch with their girlfriends and catching up. So when I say the Keto Reset Diet, that's the title of the book that Mark and I have. And we have a whole program at ketoreset.com, a video course where you can learn step-by-step -step everything about how to do it properly and emphasizing nutrient-dense foods of the planet Earth, the ancestral diet where we're talking about things that came from hunter-gatherer times in their natural state. That means a lot of vegetables and other forms of nutritious carbohydrates. It's not a zero-carbohydrate diet. Uh, and the doctors who will come on and say it's dangerous for this or that reason are completely misinformed because it's a diet that we've been eating for two and a half million years. How are you going to structure all the little things? And, oh, you hate sardines, so you can't do keto because you have to eat sardines. All that stuff is nonsense. You're going to pick the foods that you enjoy the most and make it work for you. But the fundamental point has that similarity to Atkins is that we're cutting out all the crappy processed carbohydrates that inhibit fat burning. Yeah. So yeah, you were talking about the several courses that you have on your website that really just make your books come alive. And they're perfect for people like me who enjoy watching videos and learning visually. Um, so what are the different mastery courses that you offer? And tell people where they can learn more about your podcast and your blog. Oh my gosh, what a what a setup, Chantel. I mean, okay, okay, you're gonna make me plug myself. Oh my goodness. Uh, I would tell people to go over and look at bradkearns.com. It's really fun and exciting. I have my, uh, I, I broke the world record in the the fastest hole of golf ever played. I'm a speed golfer. Fascinating stuff so, on so, there. So tell us about that because the, I, and I I meant to ask you about that. So literally, you twice you've broken the world record. Uh, for what does it mean for the to be a speed golfer? What does that mean? It's this wonderful sport that no one's, not many people have heard of. But uh -huh. we, we play a, a golf tournament and we count our score. But they also time you on the course, so you add your time on the course together with your strokes, and that's your speed golf score. So you're actually wow. running. Yeah, you're running through the course pretty fast. I only have a handful of clubs. And I'm trying to finish the course as fast as possible, but also shoot a good score. So my best score in a tournament, I got third place in the California Professional Championships last year. And I shot a 78, which is a pretty good golf score. And I played the 18-hole championship course in 47 minutes. So 78 plus 47 equals 125 is my best speed golf score. But the great thing about it is you get to finish golfing in a very short time so you can play frequently without wasting your whole day. And you also get a great workout. 
And it's kind of a Zen-like experience because you're just reacting to what's in front of you instead of deliberating for all this time, like a lot of golf. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's the reason why I don't like golf because I feel like it's just like, come on already. But if I, yeah, I think I might like that. I might do the speed golfing. Yeah. You got to try it. You'll, You'll be enthralled. It's super fun. All right, so Brad, is there anything that you want to give away? We can have people go to our Facebook page and um, they can like and share the post. What would you like to give away today? Winners! Let's give you a wonderful (laughs) Keto Reset Diet book. If you're interested in this keto stuff, why not sign up for the contest? Maybe you'll win. I'll send you a book. You'll love it. It's a great book. All right, so we'll do three lucky winners. All right, we'll do three lucky winners. You can comment on like, and that book can be yours. Yeah, so you've got you've got so many videos on, so you guys have to go to bradkearns.com. Check out all of the videos he has there. They are amazing. And check out one of his amazing classes that he has. So like you would say, Brad, you just need to get over yourself and get on that site, right? Oh, thank you, Chantel. I appreciate your show. You're doing great things. Even the questions were so astute and, you know, really people thinking deeply about what it means and how to do it right. So uh, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you. Well, if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at ChantelRayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.